um, we talked about how united we stand. If you didn't get to watch or hear those messages, I encourage you to hear them, not because I spoke them, not because of anything but that, but because I believe God's trying to prepare um, his bride for the coming of the king and what God's wanting to do. And it, and it folds into what God's um, getting ready to come out and speak forth for the next several weeks from the pulpit. God wants to encourage and strengthen you, and I think he's trying to um, help you to be uh, the the Christ follower that you were designed to be. I think it's time for us to come out of hiding and time for us to come out of sleeping um, that we've, you know, set in kind of, kind of a comatose state for like Pastor Brandon was talking, you know, you soak it in, you soak it in, and, and it can leave you in a, in a comatose state, just like a food coma, and it makes you to where you, you know, become to where you don't use the, the tools and the things God's given you, so it's pretty crazy. Um, today we're going to shift gears a little bit, um, but I want to open this up. I, I was thinking about some things that in our society that we live in today, uh, we're surrounded by trademarks. There's many trademarks. Actually, I looked it up. In our world, there are 64.4 million trademarks that are registered and active all over the globe. Everyone is trying to make their mark and sell and push their product to anyone willing to be interested and buy it. 64.4 million different trademarks on the globe. Um, and you, you're like, well, what's a trademark? If you don't know, you know, like the Nike symbols, the things that you see, um, Louis Vuitton to guests to, you know, even, even think about this, post cereals and general meals and all that kind of stuff. They, they have their own trademark to where when you see a specific logo, you know that that's that company. You know what they sell. A trademark is an easily recognizable symbol, phrase, or word that denotes a specific product. A trademark is what sets you apart from all other competitors. Although trademarks do expire, the owner must make regular use of it in order to receive the protections associated with them. So like if you have a company and it doesn't use it over and over after a while, that trademark can expire and somebody else, it can be up for grabs. Trademarks are used to set apart specific trades. I'm going somewhere with you. Just, just bear with me for a minute. What is a trade? A trade is a skilled job, typically one requiring manual skills and special training. And I want to ask you a question today. Do you realize that as Christians, we have a type of trade? As saying that you're a Christ follower, you're saying that that's your trade. That that's who you are, that it requires things. See, being a Christian, it's, it's a skilled job day in and day out. We show up for it every day. It takes manual labor and skills. It takes action such as we talked about in the last several weeks with United We Stand, and it takes special training to grow, continue to grow you and grow your trade and become true tradesmen or women of the call that God's placed on your lives. It's a trade. And just like any trade, our symbol is Jesus Christ. He's the one word that can be recognized by all for hope as humanity. See, we have the greatest trademark. And, and, and what's funny is I'm not talking about you would think, well, why did she say it's Jesus Christ? Because I'm not talking about a fish symbol. I'm not talking about a dove. And I'm not even talking about the little cross that you hang in your window. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the one who without him, those things would mean nothing. 
Do you realize that there were many people before Christ came to be crucified who were crucified on crosses? But until Christ came as the, as the original trademark as a, of, a, of Christ, of a Christian, of what it should be to be a Christ follower, until he came, guess what? Those crosses didn't mean anything. Not to you. Not for your salvation. The dove that represents the Holy Spirit wouldn't have meant anything to you without Jesus Christ who died on the cross and then sent the comforter for you. The little fish that gets stuck in the window so that you can say that you're a fisher of men. Well, guess what? That would mean nothing if Christ didn't come fish you out of the sea. Jesus is the greatest symbol. He's the greatest trademark upon your life. And God has been speaking to this church about unity. He's been speaking to the church, I believe, all over the globe. He's trying to tell them that it's time to be united. He's been talking about dressing for the occasion and putting on our armor. In other words, God is saying it's time to get work on the trade. Get to work. But just like every tradesman and tradeswoman, you need specific tools to equip you for your job. You know, every trade has specific tools that are used for their job. You know what's crazy is lucky to us, God has given us the tools within our armor. And what we want to do is for the next few weeks, we want to break down the armor of God and teach you how to use the tools of your trade. The tools of your trade. See, tools of the trade are the skills, the instruments, and other equipment that you need to do your job and to do it properly. And God has given every tool we need for our trade as Christians to defeat the enemy. But to truly call yourself a Christ follower, I believe it takes using each one of these tools daily. Just like any other trade in the world, you know what? I cannot call myself a hairstylist if I have not gone to school and received the license and done the work to get there and have the tools for the trade. I could say I do hair, but I may not own a pair of scissors or even a curling iron or a blow dryer or clippers or anything like that. I could say that's what I am. I could call myself an architect, but I don't even know how to draw or do anything like that. I just have a dream of becoming something so I can envision buildings and all that things, but I've never been to college or learned the skills to do what I need to do. I can't say I'm a welder. I can't say that I'm actually a proper fisherman if I've never even been. I don't even know how to stink and uh, put the line in the rod. I can't say those things. You see what I'm saying? What's funny is we can go around calling ourselves a Christian, but if you never use the tools of your trade and you don't learn to be skilled and be an apprentice of Jesus Christ, then what are you following? See, to be a Christian means you're a Christ follower. Being a Christian is more than a title of acknowledgement of Christ. It's the willingness to pick up the trade, your tools, and follow after him. And what's crazy is some of you may be thinking, well, I've read about the armor of God. I know you've read about it, but, but let's learn to use it. Let's learn to use it because it can just be easy. Oh, yeah, let's put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel shoes fitted with peace, da-da-da-da. You can label those, but I'm, what I believe is God's trying to teach the bride to use her tools, her weaponry, for what's taking place in this world. 
You can say, well, I don't know how. Well, guess what? We're going to show you how and teach you how. And now you have the responsibility through the word of God to do what you are called to do as a Christ follower. What's crazy is being a Christian. You want to know what's crazy about that? Is this is the only trade on earth that everyone can do and gain from, but so few choose it. This is the one trade. I was not called to be a welder or a carpenter or, you know, all those other things. But I was called to be a Christ follower. And everyone in this room and everyone on this earth has the ability to follow Christ and can do this trade. But so few choose it. So the first tool of the trade we want to talk to you about today is the belt of truth. And I'm not talking about anything like, you know, Wonder Woman and her lasso of truth that makes everybody, you know, tell the truth. That's not what I'm talking about. The crazy thing about the belt is this is what keeps everything together and cinched in as a Christian. I want you to go with me to Ephesians 6, 12 through 14. I'm going to read it out of here. And what's crazy is, you know, for me... Sometimes we don't realize what something really is until we actually fully read it. Like I said, I've read about the armor of God. I've read about it my entire life since I grew up. But what's crazy is I did not really realize the full order until I actually really went in and studied it. And it says it this way. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 through 14 says it this way, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Here we go. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. That's where we're going right now. The belt of truth. Why would he start with the belt? I mean, you know, you think about it when you put your clothes on. You don't put your belt on before you put your pants on. Put your pants on. Put your shirt on. You know what I'm saying? Belt might be the last thing that you do just to buckle everything together. But Jesus Christ in here says the belt of truth goes on first. Ephesians 6.14 in the ASB, just, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your loins with truth. And I looked up some things about why. Why would Jesus say this? You, you, can I tell you something? When God put things in order in the word, he put them in certain order for specific purposes and has a specific reason why. And the Bible also says to study to show yourself approved. And I believe that we have to look into why. Why did God, anybody else in this room wonder why God asked you to put your belt on first? Anybody? Okay, I'm the only weird one. That's Miss Jackie, thank you. Okay. I was reading and I looked up and I want to read you something that I found from this study. And it got me. It said, if we were to rank the relative importance of the various pieces of armor listed here by Paul, most of us would put the breastplate, helmet, or shield at the top of the list. After all, the breastplate protects the lungs and the heart. The helmet protects the head. The shield provides general protection of the whole body. But the belt? It seems to be a relatively minor and unimportant piece of the Roman military armor. However, this is not the case. 
Paul mentions the belt first in his list of armor, and when we understand the role of the belt in the Roman soldier's armor, we see how important it was in protecting the soldier on the battlefield. The belt served three primary functions. First, beneath their armor, the Roman soldier wore a loose-fitting tunic. The belt helped keep the soldier from getting tangled in his own tunic. The belt kept the tunic cinched in tight and close. If the soldier had a long tunic, he would take the four corners of that tunic and fold it up underneath the belt to keep his legs free and to keep from getting tangled. This was called girding up the loins. In fact, here in Ephesians 6.14, probably the most literal translation of the verse would be, Stand therefore, having girded up your loins in truth. The loin is the upper part of the thigh, and so when the tunic was wrapped up and around the groin area and then tucked into the belt, it was called girding up the loin so that the tunic did not trip the soldier in battle. You wonder why you're getting tripped up in spiritual battle is maybe you don't have your belt on and your, uh, and your private parts, your areas that you need to have protected, which is the private things that are in here in heart, the things that you got to guard, protected because you're tripping all over yourself. But this wasn't the only purpose of the belt. The belt was also used to help carry the load of the heavy packs the soldiers were, wore while marching. When they marched, their packs could weigh 50 to 100 pounds, carrying their gear, food, and bedroll. This is a lot of weight to carry all on your soldiers during a 10 or 20 mile hike. And so the Roman military devised a way to attach the packs to the belts of the soldiers. This kept the pack tight against the back so it didn't swing or bounce around while marching, which was often closer to a run. And it helped redistribute some of the weight of the back off the back and off the shoulders and down onto the hips. Modern hiking backpacks have similar weight distribution properties. The best backpacks not only have shoulder straps, but also have a belt that clicks together around the waist so that the pack is secured in place and some of the weight of the pack is carried on the hips. Thirdly, and maybe most importantly, the belt kept the breastplate tight against the soldier's chest and his sword secure and steady and ready at his side. Without the belt, the breastplate would wobble around and bang against the chest of the soldier as he tried to move and run. Yes, the breastplate was also secured and placed around the back, but then it was firmly tied down and positioned by attaching it to the belt. It would not ride up into the neck, thereby making it difficult for the soldier to breathe. And of course, it held the sword at the soldier's side where it was ready to be drawn for battle. Imagine then what would happen to a soldier who tried to enter battle without his belt. His legs would get tangled in his tunic, his breastplate would flop around and choke him, and his sword would drop to the ground. In short, he wouldn't be much good for battle at all. In light of all this, the belt was one of the most important pieces of the soldier's army. It is likely the same for any police officer today. The duty belt of the officer carries all of their most important gear. It carries their gun, extra magazines of bullets, their handcuffs, radio, keys, a flashlight, the nightstick, pepper spray, first aid kits, and almost anything else the officer can think of that he needs when chasing down a, sus a suspect. Or you can think of it like a carpenter and his tool belt. It holds a hammer, nails, screws, drill, a tape, 
tape measure, and anything else he needs while on the construction site. Belts are like your to portable toolbox. So this is why Paul lists the belt first when he writes about the spiritual armor we have from God. First and foremost, we take, we are told to take up and put on the belt. Paul calls it the belt of truth. Based on what we have learned about the belt for the Roman soldier, why does Paul equate it to the belt of truth? What analogy between the belt and the truth is Paul trying to make? How is it that the belt of truth, how is it helpful for Christians who find themselves in spiritual battle? It is, to, it is to this topic we turn as we consider how the belt of truth functions for the Christian. Paul equates the Roman soldier's belt with truth because just as a belt marked a person as a Roman soldier as they wore it around all the time, truth is the identifying characteristic of the Christian. Truth is one of the primary things that sets Christianity apart from everyone else in the world. Truth. And what God began to speak to me is he said, we'd all be lost without our toolbox. Truth is the birthplace of salvation and the cultivator of the remaining tools. Truth is where it begins. If you don't know what truth is, how would you know to follow Christ? You're not going to follow Jesus if you don't know the truth. Truth is the foundational piece that we base our sole existence of Christians off of. Jesus said it in John 14, 6. In the Amplified, it says it like this. I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Christ's greatest tool was his truth. And so is ours. You have to have the belt of truth. As a belt encompasses the waist, so should your conviction to truth encompass you. I'll say it again. As a belt encompasses the waist, so should your truth to conviction encompass you. It's more than just an outward show. It is tied around us and written on our heart. Doesn't the word say, I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against God? Do you know the word of God is the truth? When you hide the word in you, it encompasses every part of you so that in order for you to live as a Christian and be a true Christ follower, you follow the truth. The belt of truth is the tool of commitment just as the ring is to the bride and the groom. Think about it. Why do we say and we put a ring on? It's the never-ending circle where it represents the covenant and the commitment and the love that's shared and, and being in consistency, right? Well, think about this. The belt of truth is the tool of commitment just as the ring is to the bride and groom. It is a never-ending circle that represents the integrity we will uphold as the bride of Christ. Your belt is your integrity. Your truth is your integrity. Your truth is your character. And you're going, I can see some of you looking at me this morning, and you're like, why are we going back so simple? Because keep it simple, stupid, right? That's what God says, right? He's giving you a kiss today. It's just simple. But we make it so hard. Simple. Nothing built on anything less than truth can withstand itself in war. Nothing. 
If you have nothing to stand on, if you cannot stand on the truth of the word of God, where you are in the battles that you face, you will not stand at all. Truth is your guiding light in the darkest of days. Truth is what brings you back to the moments when you fail. Truth is what keeps you grounded when temptation hits you or when you make mistakes and you do things and you fall short. And guess what, guys? Every single one of us in this room falls short and we're probably going to fall short tomorrow and we're going to fall short the next day and the next day and next day and the next day because guess what? We are flesh and we have the ability to sin because we choose to do so. But the fact of it is, is when you make a mistake, truth is the grounder that puts you back in alignment with Jesus Christ and says, though I messed up yesterday, and I made a mistake and I fell to sin I'm going to stand today on the truth of the word of God that I am a child of God I am forgiven and I am resurrected in him by his name and the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony truth is what holds you together do you realize without your truth you're going to be caught with your pants down think about it And sometimes you have to adjust the truth. Think about it. Whether whether you get bigger or smaller, you have to adjust the notches on your belt, right? Well, as you grow in Christ, you have to grow the truth that's in you. And what happens is the further you go away from Christ and your faith begins to shrink, guess what? Your truth does too. And the fact of it is, is that we have to be well adjusted to the truth of Jesus Christ, not just the things that we pick out that suit us for the moment. See, God's, God's truth isn't just a, an accessory. It's not just a stylish thing that you put on so it looks good to finish the outfit. Actually, truth is the binder. It's what begins it. The problem is we live in a time where truth is whatever you make it out to be. If it's all good to you, then it must be truth. I saw a post on Facebook. Um, it was going around, and, and actually it was talked to me about it, then it was shared, and I read it by somebody else. And I want to read it to you because it made me realize why we as Christ followers have to wear the truth consistently even more so in our lives. And I want to read it to you. I'm not telling you who posted it because I really don't care who posted it. I don't even know the person who shared, like posted it as made it. This is just what this person said. I don't go to church. That doesn't mean I lack a relationship with God. I don't read the Bible every day, every week, and even every year. That doesn't mean I don't know God or his word. I don't get on my knees, fold my hands, and bow my head every night. That doesn't mean I cease daily conversations with God. I've questioned him in tough times. I've resented him in times of grief and loss. I've lost faith in him due to lack of faith in myself, but he never left me. He's been there the entire time. His footprints just a step ahead of mine. I believe that he loves everyone. Read that again, everyone. The obvious sinners, the silent sinners, the caring, the judgmental, the believers, the non-believers. I'm not here to preach. I'm not trying to prove myself. I don't believe in God because of how I was raised, going to Sunday school every week, and then sitting in a pew singing hymns and listening to a sermon. I believe in God because I felt him, I've heard him, all on my own accord. Now some of you may be thinking, well, why did that bother you? It did bother me. 
It bothered me not because of the lack of some truths in there, such as Jesus does love everyone, and we can stumble in our faith, or we can believe in God because we felt him, and we've known him, and believe him, and that God does love all the sinners. But what bothered me about it was that it was full of partial truths, and these are lies that the enemy sells to us, and if we are not careful, we will mistake his knockoff trademark for the real thing. See, the enemy's out to sell you a knockoff. Just because I have a Nike logo on my shirt may just be a Walmart brand that I ironed something onto, and it's not the real thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can go around and label yourself a Christian, but if inside you don't believe the full 100% truth of God, you are not a Christ follower. I'm sorry. That doesn't mean, listen to me. Right now, that doesn't mean you don't fall. That doesn't mean you don't sin. What it means is that when that happens, the belt of truth is so much around you that when you do make a mistake, it girds you back up and helps you to stand on your feet because the conviction of the truth is more powerful than anything the enemy sends to you. Truth. I was so sad when I read that and I told Brandon, actually Sam was in the car and I said, so what? We treat God like the baby daddy. We trust in him every once in a while. We believe in him every once in a while. We ain't got to see him. And sometimes we lose faith in him because he don't make his child support checks. But when that happens, it's just what it is. God is not your baby daddy. He's not your drug. He ain't your cure for every little thing that happens in your life. He is the truth that came to set you free. Period. Period. He's truth. And guess what? We just said this this morning. Macy and Jeremy had no clue what I was talking about. And they were talking about truth. And we were talking about saying the truth. And Macy said this. She said, but truth will offend you. Truth will hurt you. But the problem of it is, is just like these people, and I'll tell you this, we as Christians go into war fighting with their tactics, the way that they fight. So what happens is we see posts like this sometimes, and I'm not saying it's bad that it was shared, but what happens is we see things, or we post and we share things. I'm going to go somewhere for a minute because I want to teach you all something. We share something, and we see it. You know, we try to fight public enemies on a public battleground, you know, and make things so big. And the problem of it is, is you go into battle with your pants down. You don't even know what the word of God really says. So then when you fight a public enemy and they know the word better than you, you get all twisted up in here and begin to debate things you have no idea about. And what happens is you begin to spew truths that are only half truths because you don't know the full truth. You can't just fight things that way. You can't just share whatever you want. And let me tell you something. If you want to share something, if you're that bold to share things like that, you better be bold enough to take a butt kicking. And if you really knew the truth so good anyways, that bad, if you really knew the truth that well, why you got to even entertain all that? When you know the truth of God, you know what you stand on. And so does everyone else around you. You ain't got to put it out there. You just are. Just like he said, the Roman soldiers, guess what they did? Even when they weren't in battle, they wore their belt. And guess what? Around their tunics because it represented integrity and who they were. That they knew who they were on and off the battlefield. 
yeah, it did fire me up a little bit. <laughs> I'm sweating. Because the fact of it is, is that we so easily fall into things and then we get mad at these groups and these things that post things because they're not telling the truth. But honestly, neither are you because you're not even living the real truth of God that says, love your neighbor as yourself. He also says that you need to stay away from petty arguments and things that cause chaos in the world. You don't fight chaos with chaos. You fight chaos with the truth of the word of God, which is I love my neighbor as myself. I will be who God has called me to be. Period. See, God doesn't teach us these things. And I wasn't here to put that person on blast because I saw it shared by several people. That's not even the point. And I saw some people who made some really good comments to it. I'm not even saying that. But the fact of it is, is a lot of times when we do things like that, it doesn't change anything. It just stirs things up. There is no such thing as a half-truth when it comes to God. And truth didn't come to make us feel guilty. It came to set us free. Truth didn't come to make us feel guilty. It came to set us free. John 8, 31 through 32 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Let's read that again. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my, wait, if you abide in my, what, what, what? If you abide in my, oh, well, my word's on my phone, but so is Facebook and Snapchat and Twitter and Instagram and Google and everything else. Oh, I'm reading my, oh, wait, that popped up and I'm reading in this and I'm in that and that. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You free. And please don't give me don't get me wrong. I know that we all get on. Do we use public platforms for the things that we need to? All right. But all I'm saying is, let's use our platforms wisely to share the love of God. Maybe instead of just reaching out to share the things that you don't like, maybe why don't you just put some scripture on there? If you abide in the word, let the word come out of you and everybody else read it. If they don't want to read it, they don't have to. Share the wins for yourself. Man, God touched my life today and he's doing some amazing things. Or man, I saw somebody at the store and they received Jesus Christ. Let's give praise to his name. We don't see that. We just want to attack the things that we don't agree with. <laughs> why don't you just give truth? Put truth out there. I love when I see people who post scripture. You want to know why? Because there have been times where I needed that scripture that day. I needed to know what was being said. And honestly, why do we got to debate things when you already know we won the debate? Truth is truth. Either way. To abide. To live or stay somewhere. When you live and stay in his word, you choose to wrap yourself in the truth daily. 
This is where freedom is found. There is power in putting on your belt of truth every day because it frees you from the lies the enemy is trying to sell you in your thoughts, your daily activities, the words you hear or speak, and the actions that surround you or the actions that you take. Truth is what keeps you guarded. Like I said, it, truth is simple. It's either truth or a lie. It either is or it isn't. It's not just like, oh, well, that, you know, there are some things that can be said, well, that has some truth in it, but if it's not fully a truth, what is it? That's a lie. Right? Case in point. Let's just do it this simple. I'll give you the simplest one. God is either Lord of your life or he isn't. That's the truth. You leave yourself unprotectable and susceptible to the lies when you don't wear your belt. When you choose not to wear the belt, you're leaving yourself open to attack from the enemy because you have nowhere to carry your weapons. The belt is what holds your sword. Guess what? The belt is what holds this. If you go without your belt, you don't even have the word. If you go without your belt, guess what? You don't have the breastplate of righteousness that's attached to you properly. You don't have all your little tools in your toolkit to use because you don't have truth. And let me tell you this. Just because it's your truth doesn't mean it's his truth. Let's look at it this way. Yeah. Could I be struggling financially? Could things be happening? Could I have health problems? Absolutely. The truth and the reality is, yes, maybe you have a diagnosis like that. But the truth, on the other hand, is that the word says that by his stripes I am healed. The word says that he has all that I need according to his riches and his glory. Do you see what I'm saying? What does the word say? What is the truth to the situations that you're facing? What is the truth telling you about the world? And honestly, if we were grounded and had our belt on, we wouldn't be so afraid by the news that we hear because we know what the truth is what's the truth and even better yet the enemy knows your greatest weakness better than you do yourself listen the enemy knows your greatest weakness better than you do yourself and he will do anything while you're in the midst of a vulnerable state to sell you a lie He's the greatest con of them all, and he enjoys nothing better than to catch you with your pants down. Nothing better to catch you in a moment where you are not guarded up. And I want to read to you, I don't have much more, but I want to read to you just this little bit. John 8, 44 through 47 in the Living Bible says it this way. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and a hater of the truth. There is not an iota of truth in him. When he lies, it is perfectly normal, for he is the father of lies and the father of liars. And so when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe it. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of one single sin? No one. And since I'm telling you the truth, why, do you why don't you believe me? Anyone whose father is a good listener gladly goes to the word of uh, gladly. Anyone whose father is God listens gladly to the words of God. Since you don't, it proves you aren't his children. 
I didn't say any of that. Those aren't my words. That's his words. He's telling you that when you don't hold yourself to the truth and you allow the lies of the enemy to be your direction, what you do is becoming dictated by the lies. When you wear the belt of truth, you are telling the enemy of your soul and the world around you, I refuse to allow a deluded truth to lead me to a distracted faith. I refuse to allow a deluded truth to lead me to a distracted faith. Wait, say that again to yourself. I refuse to allow a deluded truth to lead me to a distracted faith. That means whatever comes along in your daily today routines and the enemy begins to bring up weaknesses or past sins or things that you've done or things that you're getting ready to do and what happens is you're faced with all those things and he begins to speak little lies in your ears. What you need to do is tell him, I don't believe that. That's not the truth of God. I am am God's child. I will do what's right. I have the victory and authority over you, and I choose that my faith will not be distracted. As Christians, and, and that's why maybe I hit so hard, and even more in these days, on some of the social media stuff. Just like that young man, that young person said, you know, I don't go to church, I don't read my Bible, but I know God loves me. I know these things. Those are partial truths that God has done. But what happens is when you put things out there and you have generations that are seeking for something and they pull on just the partial truth, then what happens is it leads to a bunch of partial Christians that are not Christians. It's being a Christ follower. You know what I'm saying? Like following Christ, that means that I wear his trademark, which is Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. You know, it's not because I love y'all, but it ain't because you can wear a cross necklace. And it's not because you maybe have a little dove or something that you see every day. That's not what makes you a Christian. That's cool and all. But what makes you a Christian is saying that I refuse to allow anything less than the truth to lead me and guide me and direct me in my life. As Christians, it's our job to give the world the greatest product ever, and that is Jesus Christ. We should be giving the world something worth following, and it starts with the truth. I think that's why sometimes people have a hard time with Christians or following Jesus Christ is because why would you want to follow anything that's not really the truth? Why would you want to follow anything that you feel people aren't wholeheartedly giving you as truth? I wouldn't. I'm going to follow something that I know has 100% ability to believe in. Not just because I feel good for a moment. Because let me tell you what, most of my relationship with God has been built more in the lows than what I felt in the highs. Because it teaches dependency and commitment and really makes you understand the truth. That's where faith comes from because the truth of his word is the guiding light when you are in your darkest days and you can't see. The truth envelops your moral character and integrity as a whole to who you are as a Christian. I would never want to follow something that someone else didn't fully believe in, in themselves. You know, that's like, you know, going with somebody and, you know, let's, let's say this, like you're cliff jumping off into the water and, you know, somebody's been there and they're like, well, you think it's good? Well, I think so. 
You do it. Well, I don't know. Is it safe? Yeah, maybe. I ain't falling here, maybe. I want to know what's down there when I jump. Am I going to get hurt? And what's going to take? I'm not following you off no cliff. How about you jump first and we'll see if you make it and then I'll see what happens. You know what I mean? Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't work that way. Truth, when you can believe in the truth of Jesus Christ, something within you as a Christian begins to flow out that emanates that truth in you that no matter what's going on, that he remains good and he's faithful and all those things that begin to flow out of you flow from truth. That is why Christ directly spoke to God in prayer the night before he died about the disciples by being sanctified by truth. I want to read to you John 17, 14 through 23. John 17, 14 through 23. All right? I want to go there from the ESV. And it says it this way. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world. Worship team, I know you're waiting. You can go ahead and just come on out. (laughs) I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. This is Jesus praying to to God the night before he died. He said, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And this is what he says. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me throughout their world. That they may be all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. They also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. In them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved me as you, and loved them as you loved me. In the footnote of my Bible, it says this, sanctify them in truth. The evening before his death, Jesus prays that his disciples will be a holy people. He prays for them to be separated from evil in the world for the purpose of worshiping and serving God and fulfilling his purposes on earth. They must be set apart in order to be in close relationship with the holy God, to live for him and to be like him. The Holy Spirit accomplishes this process of sanctification as Jesus' followers devote themselves to living by the truth revealed to them by the Spirit. The truth is both the living Word of God and the written Word of God as revealed in the Bible. Last week I started and stated that the Bride of Christ understands she is to be active for Christ. And this is the biggest deal, guys. We must begin to use the tools of our trade. All of it starts with truth being the foundation that holds it all together. Although the world tells you truth is optional, God tells you that truth is foundational. Although the world tells you truth is optional, God tells us that it's foundational. It's the only way to live 
by it and through the word of God and of God. That's the only way to live. Anything, let me say this to you, anything that contradicts the word does not belong attached to your belt in the armor of God. Anything that contradicts the word does not belong attached to your belt in the word of God. Anything. Anything. You must know the tools of your trade because they're your greatest weapon. Stand with me today. Jesus came and said again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to me except, no man comes to the Father except through me, but he also said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall, shall set you free. And freedom comes from that. And if you feel like you got things that are weighing you down, it could be because you have partial truths that you're living by. There's no half-truth in God. No half-truth. It's, it's the full truth. Why do you think they make you get up, you know, in court systems, you know, and place your hand on the Bible and say, speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me, God. God's really trying to get us to teach and know the truth so that God can do exactly what he wants to do in us as a people so that we can follow him and be directly guided by him. But if you don't stand on this, you have no foundation for the rest of your weapons to be attached to. See, standing on the truth in this is different than just carrying it. Does that make sense? The truth is your foundation, so then you can attach your sword, which we will get into later, of the Spirit. But if you don't have the Word of God, which is the truth in your life, to be that foundational piece, you can't have salvation. You can't be led by the sword of the Spirit. You ain't going to be covered up by righteousness. You definitely won't have the gospel shoes that are fitted with peace. Truth is your, it, it's what keeps it in order. And if you know today that you're struggling with truth, If you're struggling with truth, struggling knowing what truth is because maybe you're trying to search so many different avenues or because you have different things attached to your belt that lead to partial truths, I'm going to encourage you this morning that you just come to the altar and allow God to begin to speak to you and begin to share with you the word of God over your life as you just begin to soak in him. It's real easy to get caught up. It's real easy to get caught up. And if not, that's all right. I know sometimes for me, on a daily basis, no matter what's going through, I can let partial truths that come in here try to contradict the full truth that I know. And that's all the enemy wants to do in your life is shift things. Um, the biggest thing of it is, is this, is that in your lives, and, and this, is, this is the case, and I'm, I'm going to leave it right here. When you walk out today, when you leave this place today, I want you to challenge yourself to ask God, what in my life are partial truths? And what partial truths am I connected to that are trying to drag me down? And, and I want you to ask Him, really, what are things that you get caught up in. I don't care. It can be as simple as music, shows, things that you do that just fill your mind with partial truths. You know what I'm saying? Things that aren't 
the word of God, you know, you can say, I listen to a song, it's got a good message, but they cuss like once in a while or every once in a while. If it doesn't, if it contradicts the word of God, then it's not the truth. Okay? Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I pray, God, that you will just begin to open up eyes and hearts, God, to hear your word, God, as we begin to go through the armor of God and begin to break it down how God that very foundational first and foremost is that people should be able to see the truth in our lives whether we are in the church whether we're not in the church whether we're fighting a spiritual battle at the moment or we're up on a high praising you they should know who you are by the truth and that foundation of truth just like you said to your disciples that it would to God about the disciples that it would sanctify them and it would set them apart for further believers to come into you. Truth is the guiding point, and it's the foundation. God, forgive us for believing partial truths and having uh, distracted faith. Give us the vision for you. We thank you today, and we lift you up. Help us to put on our armor and begin with truth. Just the one piece. Even if it's just the one piece right now, God. Truth is where it all begins. Teach us to keep it on. And guard us when the enemy comes through our weaknesses. We thank you today. And we praise you. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The worship team is going to sing. You can worship for a little while if you want. You can come to the altar and you can pray. But I encourage you this week, keep your belt of truth on. Keep yourselves ready. God wants to move in you, and he wants to move through truth. We love you all next week.